Welcome to the Addiction Solution Podcast. I'm Michelle Dunbar, and Mark and I are going to be talking today about how people fully break free from addiction, treatment, and recovery. We wrote the Freedom Model for Addictions, Escape the Treatment and Recovery Trap, and the Freedom Model for the Family to help people learn how they can overcome addiction and move on with their lives. We offer an incredible opportunity to work with us directly through private video conference. You can learn about the Freedom Model private instruction program at leaveaddictionbehind.com and thefreedommodel.org. What we're going to talk about today is, well, you know, it's a sign of the times. Everybody is panicking. I actually went to the grocery store yesterday and um, I couldn't believe it. There really was no toilet paper, paper (laughs) towels, tissues. There was no paper products left on the shelves. And I laughed so hard I almost peed myself (laughs) not I mean it was the whole thing is is insane and um, so that's the funny side of it the scary side of it is not so much that people are gonna get this flu-like virus it's that, that doesn't scare me as much as the fact that we have a whole lot of people panicking and there is a treatment industry that's built on the idea that when people are stressed or they have anxiety that they're going to relapse. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. So so my guess is... And then there's a whole bunch of memes, which I think are hysterical, about are you stocking up in the right things? And that shows like a liquor store. Right? <laughs> right? I actually know people that have stocked up on booze. No. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, it is awesome. Um, well, that's... I'm, I'm pretty well stocked myself. But <laughs> that's because I buy things when I want them, and then I don't drink them. And so... Yeah. Yeah, we had an open house this weekend, and I did hide my toilet paper. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I had, we had enough toilet paper, which is Bob and I. So, uh, but but if anybody looks in my pantry at the bottom, it's all my liquor. And I often think people are going to look at that and go, oh, my God. <laughs> and I'm like, some of that stuff is 20, well, now how long have I been imbibing normally it's some of that stuff is probably 10 years old yeah you know just because you buy it to make one thing and then you have this whole bottle of liquor left and it's not like it goes bad right no ever it can that's yeah that's why people store it it and there's no water left anywhere so people like what the hell vodka it's clear i have a (laughs) story i have a story about a uh, old bottle of liquor and i'll I'll tell. I might have to tell that in this all right so so all kidding aside it, it, it is truly, I think I, I posted something that said, um, how many people are going to die because of widespread panic? Yeah. Because of, the you know, the sky is falling kind of coverage of this thing. Well, the, the, the idea that uh, anxiety fuels um, or is connected to, or is causal. For, yes, for, for heavy use. use. Yeah. And... Um, you know, one of the things we have a chapter called "Learned Connections" in in the Freedom Model, and it talks about uh, that fact that that people believe yes um, that if they're anxious, that alcohol or drugs can relieve them of their anxiety, and that it's some sort of self medication. And it's not. It it can't. It can't do that. It can't. It can slow down the processing of thoughts or speed them up, depending on the drug that you're taking. But the thoughts themselves remain the thoughts themselves. So it's yeah. be- your beliefs are what drive anxiety. And um, and it's your beliefs that get rid of it. Yes. And and so um, if you believe that drugs and alcohol will relieve your anxiety, you'll probably have that experience. 
and drugs and alcohol will become very important to you at times of anxiety. The problem is, is that it doesn't pharmacologically change your thoughts. So um, not even anti-anxiety medication can make you think that the situation you're in is better. That's true. It's just because you believe when you feel the sensation of the Xanax or the Valium or you feel uh, the buzz from alcohol in your in what I call the meat suit, you know, your yep. body, um, that you interpret in your mind, which is different than the meat suit, obviously, um, you interpret that as the relief of anxiety. So that's a, that's a learned concept. You know, the, the idea that when I feel a physical sensation throughout my body, which is what drugs do, that somehow that then um, means that my mind has been changed in some way. And it, what we're talking about is a tricky, tricky thing because you're talking about three different entities in, in a person, and that is their mind, their brain, and their body. Right. And when you start talking about these things, it gets a little more complex than the average conversation. But I do a bunch of classes here at the retreat and in Freedom Model Private Instruction where um, I talk about these these very things. I actually pull out a whiteboard. I did it this morning and show you know a thought bubble above the person, their, their, their anxiety, right? Yeah. Their thoughts of anxiety. And then they're processed in the brain, which is usually I... I make that a big red circle in the top of the stick figure's head, you know, and and then their body. And uh, when you when you poison yourself with acetaldehyde, which is what being drunk is, you know, when you when you basically um, inundate your bloodstream with alcohol, um, you have a physical sensation. But alcohol doesn't insert itself in your thoughts. That's a that's where things get weird is when people believe that alcohol somehow changes thoughts right. or drugs for that matter. And um, it doesn't. It, it does slow down you know, your neural functioning, obviously. It slows down your motor functions. It slows down the meat suit. Yep. But it can't, alcohol can't jump from the meat suit into the metaphysical mind. You know, our thoughts are our thoughts after yeah. all. So... Um, it's a real leap to think that it can, that alcohol somehow has some sort of intelligence where it picks and chooses uh, your thoughts. So it affects anxiety one way and then it affects, it doesn't affect your happiness. Um, and, you know, if you're being anxious and you say, I'm going to drink to get rid of my anxiety, how come it, that the alcohol doesn't affect your happiness levels? And all the other emotions, how does it target, and Steve makes a good point about this, how does it target individual right. thoughts? Only the bad thoughts? Maybe that's a product of your thinking. You know, maybe it's you giving credit to alcohol and drugs where it doesn't belong. You know, that's maybe... That's a great point. So, so... The reality is that what the research shows is that people who believe that their anxiety is cured by uh, alcohol, um, that's because they believe it. Yeah. You know, that, that's what it comes down to. They believe that their anxiety goes away when they feel that, that buzz. But make no mistake about it. The buzz is a physical sensation. Yes, that's it. 
That's it. That you can get from other activities. I yep. mean, quite frankly, there are there are other other activities that can can make you feel high. I mean, I used to run, running. You know, you get to a certain point when in physical exercise that can make you feel good that actually have positive benefits. And I'm not saying that you should replace one for the other. I'm just saying there are more effective things. Well, I think I think just the reality of knowing that the drug isn't targeting right. anxious thoughts that that's magic right. you're believing in magic if you believe that a pill like xanax can target anxiety yeah in your mind um then you're living in a fantasy and that fan it's okay if you want to live in the fantasy i'm not saying that that there isn't some pharmacological effect it does slow down processing of thoughts um but it doesn't target the thought and take it away. That letting go of a thought, letting go of an anxious thought is is done by you. You give yourself permission to do that. Yeah. And by reframing or, or rethinking, you know, a lot of times people feel anxiety, worried about the future, about something that hasn't happened yet. Because you, you feel like the things that are going on are leading down a, a, you know, a scary path, which is pretty much what's happening right now. And, um, but you, the only way for you to feel less anxious about the future is, is to think more positive thoughts about the way things are going. Yeah. Right. And so that can't happen from drinking. I just realized I'm looking at the calendar <laughs> that, so this all ties into also St. Patrick's day, which is tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. a whole lot of people are going to have a whole lot of excuses to get super wasted right. because you're, you're stuck home now. It's St. Patrick's day. You can't go out and party like you uh-huh. used to. Um, I that that's the, the question becomes, I saw somebody posted, um, on one of our groups that, you know, how am I going to stay sober during this? Oh, I know. You I know? know, and that, and for me, I'm like the same way you did yesterday. Yeah. You know, by, it's by not conditional. No, by think by believing you can be happier, not drinking. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's the way that goes by knowing that alcohol isn't going to change the current circumstance. And at best, maybe it's a temporary distraction, but it's not even a very good one. No, it's not. If, but, it, but if you believe in, let, let's look at the distractive value of alcohol, yeah. right? So, so does alcohol, does acetaldehyde actually distract us from our own thoughts, right? Yeah. Does, can it do that? And, um, being that alcohol isn't alive and doesn't have a mind of its own and can't target thoughts, it, it doesn't have that uh, ability. It's because it's just in your bloodstream after all. I mean, it's in your cells, you know. Um, it, it, can't, it can't take away uh, certain thoughts. It can't, you know. Um, the only way to get rid of anxiety is to reframe the situation and believe that the future whatever it is that you're anxious about, um, that there's a... It's going to be okay. Yeah. yeah that you're going to be okay. It really, it's practicing that. Yeah. You know, people people say, well, my brain has changed to, to hedge me towards anxiety. You know, I've got anxiety circuitry. And you know what? That's true. I mean, if, if you concentrate 
on mm. on uh, anxious thoughts. Your brain chemistry, by the way, doesn't run you, but it will bec- make it so that the thoughts are more efficiently well, processed. It, it becomes habitual. Yeah. I, you know, thinking worst case scenarios, which is something that I struggled with my whole life, becomes very, very habitual and it, it raises your anxiety to a panic state in some cases. And, and what you just described is a mental. Yeah. A mental, not, not necessarily brain function, but a mental, the idea uh, of uh, mental habituation. So there's there's various levels of habituation, but it all starts with belief. It all starts in the yeah. mind, what you're thinking, and then and then uh, brain tissue will adjust to that. But the good news is, brain tissue doesn't know any better. It's going to adjust to the other way too. It's going to make right. thoughts of letting go of anxiety more efficient if you concentrate on that. Yes. And I got to tell you, I was a massively, massively, massively anxious terrified young man. Um, I was scared of everything and it was an awful way to go through my teenage years. I was nervous about social insecurities. I hated every day of school. Now, most people wouldn't know it because I was a popular kid. I was, you know, I partied a lot. I was a lot of fun, but I was a train wreck inside, an Mm. absolute train wreck. And and it took me to my mid-20s. I remember I was 24 years old and one day I realized that I wasn't scared anymore. And what it was, was I practiced the art of just doing things I was uncomfortable doing and building my confidence. And I just don't think there's any other way to get rid of anxiety than to just face them. Yeah. Now, I know that's unpopular with you know positive psychology nowadays, that some of it's been morphed into this idea that there's there's maybe softer ways to go through getting rid of anxiety. I, I don't know of any. I don't either. I really I mean, don't. My, my experience has been, I have to, well, sometimes I just have to put the action before the feeling. So that like, that's when I work yes. with people here, that's what I, I talk to them about. If you wait to feel better, if you wait to feel better to go do something fun, then you probably won't feel better. That's it's that's a great point. There's there's that if you wait to feel better, that's a guaranteed way not to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm just I'm just gonna just gonna lay here. Now that doesn't mean that I'm not a fan of taking a break if you need a break because everybody needs a break now and again. But what I'll do, even when I've had like tragedy happen, you know, like I might take a day or two break from things. But I don't wait to feel okay to get back on with my life. I just am like, okay, I've had a couple days. I mourned, like when my my dog passed away last year on my birthday, um, was really traumatic. It really was. It was pretty awful. And um, but I gave myself a day and and I was sad, but I persevered. I got on with things. And that's how life goes on. Yeah. Is it just goes on? You just make it go on, and um, and with this whole thing, it's it's hard to make life go on when you know everything's being shut down and you're being told stay home. <laughs> I mean, it's I, I the human race has been through this literally countless times through the last ten thousand years. So I I you know if if I contract something and it kills me, well, so be it. I could have got hit by a beer truck today. You know that's yeah. that's the reality. So um. But this this idea of anxiety is 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 uh, it's a tough thing for people to understand that alcohol and drugs don't don't um, target 
certain thoughts. They don't, most people don't realize that when they're saying that alcohol relieves my anxiety, they're actually saying that. They're saying that there's somehow that alcohol knows the difference between an anxious thought and a happy thought, which is really kind of strange when you think yeah. about it. And alcohol can't do that because it's just a substance. And it's universally in your body and in your brain tissue. So um, I don't think it targets. So even if you're a believer that your brain creates thought or you're a believer that thought affects the brain, right? That they're, yeah. that you're a dualist and, and they're separate entities. Um, regardless, I don't think that alcohol can target specific circuitry when you're talking about trillions of neurons. Yeah. You know, you're talking about a an incredibly complex organ that's completely different in each human being when alcohol is the same it's still acetaldehyde the molecule is the same it's going to it's going to break down to the same identical substance in each person so we have a substance that's the same affecting a brain universally throughout you know it's in the blood and it's going into the brain tissue and does it only affect on certain days that you're anxious when you ask it to it's going to affect <laughs> <laughs> those specific anxious neurons? Of course so, not. Right. <laughs> I mean, that that's absurd. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. It, you know, get drunk sometime and you'll realize that it really affects pretty much the whole brain because you're slowed right down. Oh, you now, are. Now, that might be what people are talking about. Well, it does slow me down. Well, then you're, you're but your mind isn't slowed down. Now, here's how I know this. The processing of your mind is slowed down, but your mind itself it still has volition. It still is running the show. And you know that because if you're driving down the road drunk and a cop pulls up... Oh, you're pretty damn anxious. <laughs> your, your thoughts will break through that drunk. Yeah, they will. Okay? And they will become very hyper-focused. And people will say, I sobered up really fast. You didn't, by uh, the way. That's right. <laughs> you're still going to blow a 2-5. <laughs> But but it's amazing how quickly the you realize that the mind is in control. Yeah. And and now there there are obvious. Um, it, there's a way to be not anxious at all. When it con concerns drugs, and that is to be passed out. Yes. And that's, that's called an overdose. Way, uh, right. Unconscious. Yeah. So and think about the word unconscious. You are mm -hmm. not conscious. You're not thinking. And we're not recommending that, by the nope. way. <laughs> That's a That's dangerous... Very dangerous. Very, yeah. uh, and, it, and it makes you feel crappy, quite frankly, when you wake up. <laughs> and, and when it comes to benzodiazepines, which are the, the anxiety medications, could kill you. Yeah. Um, especially if it's there's booze and benzos involved. So, no, I don't recommend that. I'm just making a point. Yeah. Um, so so it's, it's important to know that these drugs don't... They don't have the ability to, to target circuits... It's not how it works. And, there's, there's another popular um, misconception that's been gaining popularity, and that's that uh, people don't do well in isolation. And um, they, they can't stay sober, that the opposite of, of addiction is connection. So now, all of a sudden, we all have to be... Loving and hugging each other. Well, right, loving in order to stay sober, but now, now we have to go into isolation. So does that mean... That you know, all these people are gonna relapse, and it doesn't. I mean, that there's another, another part of that that is, that is, a, it's problematic. So when you have all these conditions set up on whether or not I'm gonna drink or drug, um, and now we're in a situation where like all the criteria for relapse are met, 
yeah. in our current climate. Yeah. Right? We have to isolate. We're all anxiety ridden. People are in a panic state, quite frankly. And um, no, we, people, meetings are shut down. Churches shut down. Um, schools are shut down. People are working from home. What are you trying to get our whole audience to drink? <laughs> Like, what are you gonna do? And and this is this is where you can all test the freedom model. Yeah, you can all test the freedom model at home by yourself, um, knowing that okay, am I gonna be happier drinking my way through this, going back to my drug of choice heavily, or or can I can I find other ways to to be happy during this? Here's what's crazy about this. When you factor in age, we know that over 90% of people get over the problem whether they've been treated or not, right? So that yeah. says, and, and I bring this up at every single podcast yep. because... They, they age out of it they, or whatever, whatever you want to say. They they just move past it. Yeah, and, and I liken it to as we get older, the context of our life gets bigger and we get wiser and alcohol becomes smaller, right? I mean, as you get older, you have this big, long train of circumstance. So... Um, and then alcohol just becomes a piece of that story. It no longer is the story. Um, now, in that context, so we know that 9 out of 10, more than 9 out of 10 people are going to stop drinking and drugging on their own. One, in, in the end, you're making that decision to stop. If that's the case, and life is what it is, it's a shitstorm of difficulty. Always. Yeah, always. There's anxiety. There's tragedy there's difficulty there's physical ailments there's all these things that's gamed against you. and there's a million reasons to celebrate quite frankly <laughs> yeah so so even with all that sort of flood of life that sort of challenges you everybody stops yeah so everybody comes to the same identical conclusion and that is i'd rather be sober than not yeah now there's an exception to that and there's a tiny portion of the population everybody points to this Ironically, this tiny, 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 less than 1% that go to treatment, they stay drunk and some of them die. I mean, and the reason that they do is because they're, they're taught that they can't get over these problems, that, that anxiety does. It becomes their full identity. Yeah. And, and then they become a minion to circumstance. So, yeah, so, which is just so tragic. Well, it is because... Because anxiety, things like the coronavirus, you can't, it just happens. It's just life. I mean, it just happens. And you can't prepare for that. The only preparation you have is that you were born with the ability to think differently about situations and to overcome situations. You were born with that. Everybody's born with the ability of free will and the positive drive principle and autonomy. So you have all the skills you need to get over a problem. So, so. But but if you don't believe that you have free will, if you feel like you are compelled to use by outside circumstances, well, you're screwed. Yeah. You're screwed. If you want to hold on to that belief, the, the treatment belief, you're going to be one of those in that 1% that go to treatment that needs somebody else to tell. That's right. Mm-hmm. And in, in, in being powerless becomes everything it becomes your your whole life is dependent on how others treat you on what's going on in the world on what's going on in your own life and and you will be like that like plastic bag blowing in the wind yeah you know and it's it's it is a a tragic situation um to to think that you you can't control how you think one of the books that we recommend that our our guests read while they're here is man's search for meaning by victor frankel 
and he was a psychiatrist that was in um, Auschwitz, Auschwitz, Auschwitz yeah. during World War Two, and and for to hear his, you know, horribly talk about anxiety. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it makes the coronavirus look like a spring picnic. Exactly. I mean, you know, yeah. and and to hear him talk about how he kept himself going. Um, you and how know, thousands of others did. Yeah, because in, you can believe in your mind. You, nobody has control over your mind. You can believe anything that you want. I think that book is is possibly in the top five most important books for every citizen in the world to read. Yes, absolutely. Um, Especially now, and it's a quick it's a quick read. Get it down, but download it on Kindle or whatever. And, yeah. And if you're isolated to your house, you couldn't. It, it may take you a week. It'll be a, the best week of your life. I yeah. swear. Yeah, if literally, if you read here, here's a list of books. If you read um, the Freedom Model for Addictions, our book, uh, Man's Search for Meaning, Viktor Frankl, um, and Drunken Comportment. Yeah, yeah. Um, those three books. Th- there's many others. There's so many. Um, but but if you read those three and you studied them, you would have the answer to this problem uh, in spades. It's the answer is you. And what treatment wants you to believe is, is that it's them. So the question is, were you born to fail, according to treatment, that you're a faulty, weak, broken, inherently enslavable being? Or does your experience show that there's times where you have been able to stop on your own? I guarantee you. I'm sure. They, every, yeah. sing, every single guest, right? Every, every single one. Even the very, very heavy drinkers who are like, okay, I've been going continuously for the last three months or six months. Um, usually they can see it in, in their recent past a time when they stopped. Yeah. You yeah. Know, it took a break. Yeah. And then I, I always point that out and I say, if you were compelled to use them, why? Yeah. How'd you take how, a break? How did how you take it? How come you're not a drug taking zombie? Uh, how, why is that? Yeah. You know? Um, why is it that every time you had money in your pocket, you weren't compelled to run to the liquor store and get drunk? Now, occasionally I'll get a guy that actually does that. Yes. yes, <laughs> And yes. then they're like, I do do that, Mark. I am or, hopeless. Or, or go to the crack house or <laughs> yeah. get heroin or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Then I'm like, oh God, here we go. We got to get, we got to start from the beginning. Um, and, uh, but, but I just want people to know that the answer to anxiety lies within themselves because the anxiety is created by you. Yeah. So obviously, if you create it, then uh, you're the only thing that can fix it. There's yeah. no outside force. Now, it, it's sometimes it's nice to talk to people. Yeah. And and like Michelle said, take a break, uh, retreat a little bit from life when we get anxious and and or retreat from social media, retreat from watching the news. Um, yeah, if you're like me, I'll just scroll past all the stuff that gives me anxiety on social media, and I'll just go to the memes and laugh. <laughs> I do like it. You know, because half the times, <laughs> half the times, the memes are more accurate than the damn news. I know. I, I mean, the news are playing the entire culture wow. in this thing. I well, mean, let's think about this. I mean, for those of us that are in our fifties now, um, I remember when winter, like snowstorms, were just called snowstorms. They didn't have names. Oh, I know this. Na- <laughs> the naming a six-inch snowstorm in New York is like what? It's so silly. I, it's it's embarrassing. It's totally embarrassing. <laughs> I'm like, it's like win- winter storm, Bobby. Yeah. <laughs> Hel- Helen is striking <laughs> through the heart of New York. Um, it's, um, it's there, there, snow. There, there's okay. there's six inches on the ground. It's so weird. I mean, just it, it's a, we have a 
you know, we have news stations trying to compete for viewers. And so it's like now whoever can make the biggest tragedy, the biggest scare, scare, um, they will guarantee that you will turn them on 24-7. Yeah, and like I said, I'm not downplaying people getting sick and dying. No, me neither. I, I, I mean, know, I'm sure this is, I, I get it, it's very serious. Um, thousands have died of, of SARS, H1N1. Yeah. Uh, you know, 68,000 died of the flu. Yeah. You know, so I, I get it. But luckily with coronavirus, there's been many less. Yeah. So yeah. I, I don't, I'm not sure where the where the terror really is. Uh, I, I get that it's frightening, but... But um, nonetheless, I don't I don't do things to myself that make my sphere of influence scarier. Yes, you know I try to. Life can be scary enough. Yeah, there's enough <laughs> shitty things in the world <laughs> yeah. to have to worry about. You know, if you want to know what the most lethal thing to do is, get in your car. Yes. And yet we do it every day without a thought. It's it's really interesting to me how we pick and choose the things to be frightened of. Um, yeah. But here's but here's the deal. In the end. It all comes down to what you want to think, how you want to think about it, and um, I choose not to be scared. Yeah, I, me I, too. I made a decision because I was such a frightened, frightened, terribly depressed kid. Um, at one point, I had, I had, I had stopped eating. I remember I was in fourth grade, and and I was so consumed with my own thoughts that I went anorexic for a little while, mm-hmm. and nobody ever knew it. Um, I just stopped eating, and. Um, and I pulled myself out of that. And then I got a little obsessive compulsive with, yeah. with washing and oh, just strange things. things. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was a lonely, lonely kid. And, uh, and each one of these things I realized one day when I was about 17, well, probably younger than that, probably about 14, 15, I made a decision to stop being scared. And I was just going to challenge myself and do the things that made me really uncomfortable. And I stopped being scared. I got mad at being scared. I got mad at being anxious. And I started just doing shit. And I remember I was like 14 and I said, I'm going to hitchhike at night. Yeah. Now, this was the 80s, in the early 80s. Yeah, I don't recommend that, by the way. <laughs> no. I think that's a terrible idea. It was, it was absolutely <laughs> dangerous as hell. Um, and I got picked up by some freaks a couple times. But um, but I did it. And I... I I wasn't scared anymore, you know, and I got in fistfights. I was a terribly insecure kid and I went out and I got in fistfights and I wasn't scared of fistfighting anymore. But anxiety was one thing that plagued me right up until I was about 24, 25. And then I said, no more. I'm just not going to think negative shit anymore. I'm not going to spend my time. And if something lands in my lap and it has like, like this, I'm just better equipped at it. Yeah. I think I think what I I also had a lot of those issues and um, I struggled with a little bit longer than than Mark did, and um, what cured that cured me because I I still go through phases where I have to get myself back in check. We all do. Um, we but all do. but was having kids because mm-hmm. you you know with when you have kids and I had boys so you know everybody's like oh boys are so much easier than girls well in in emotional respects yes but i spent a lot of time at the er jesus you know i <laughs> boys are, are crazy they're crazy they are crazy and that's a great point about anxiety i i uh the kids have given me tremendous bouts of anxiety yeah and especially you know, yeah learning to drive oh yeah all of it, all of it. I mean, it's just because the sports you, they played. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, it's it it was um, 
you know, both my kids when they were little were just, it seemed like we were, we were, you know, at the doctor's office or in the ER, like every couple months. And I really began to worry that they were going to think that I was a bad mother. Oh, but, but here's <laughs> something that's interesting on this point. You weren't getting hammered. No. As a matter of fact. No. And my anxiety level was really high when they were little. Yeah. Yeah. And here you are talking about it and it never even occurred to you. Here's what's oh, interesting. Yeah. That, that, that you'd be. Uh, needing to drink a bottle of wine or take no. a bunch of Xanax. And a lot of people think they need that when they I have know. little kids. I actually asked. Mark's sister was my best friend at the time, and she her kids were older than mine. So she was kind of helping me through this. And, and she had quit drinking, but after her kids were a little bit, they were, when they were toddlers, she was still drinking. And I, I remember saying to her, how did you get through it when they were little? And she jokingly, she was like, well, I drank really heavily. <laughs> and we chuckled about it because I, I was like, well, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I think my mother did too. She had 12 kids. And, and then when she got sober, she left. <laughs> she left. She like, oh, I can't do this without alcohol. Um, so, yeah. So, no, it did not occur to me. Uh, that I should, that drinking would make it better. Right. So so here's the deal. Here's the deal. When it comes to anxiety, depression, or any of these these ideas that, that alcohol or drugs will be a, a sense of relief or a medication for these types of things, know that alcohol and drugs cannot, cannot target uh, the, the little billions of neurons specifically that address these types of issues. Right. Um, whether, like I said, you are a brain-centered uh, ethos or whether you have the ethos that, that the mind and the brain are two different things. I'm a dualist. I believe they are two different things that work in concert with each other when they want to. Um, but regardless of where you come from on that, on that token, um, alcohol and drugs do not target circuitry. No. Nope. They don't target thoughts. They don't insert themselves in our thoughts because alcohol and drugs aren't alive. They're not entities that are alive, that have a mission, that have goals. You are. So you get to be anxious or not be anxious, whether or not you're getting high. Right. Right. That, and and they don't and they don't fix chemicals in your brain that you think may be off. They don't do any of those things. Um, all they can do is make you feel a little tipsy. Yep. At best. You know, physically, physically, they have certain, they increase your heart rate. Um, they have certain physical things that, that they can do to you. That's it. That's it. They affect the meat suit. They do not affect the mind. Now, I think we're going to wrap it up. We're at about 35 minutes. Um, I want to just let everybody know, look at, we're not, we're not minimizing, um, COVID-19, we're not minimizing, no, you no. know, it, this is obviously, it's a serious virus. Um, you know, my dad is, is older and he has heart disease and, and I, you know, I would worry that, that sure, you know, if he gets that, it'd probably be the end. Well, look at it, it's a, the flu has almost killed him. So it's, it has, I mean, that's, that's the reality of being older in yeah, the world. It is, sure. it is. So, so we're not minimizing it. And if you are somebody that feels like you need to um, stay in and, and not go out, but you really are looking for help. Um, we can, we have a solution. Uh, we work with people one-on-one by video conference. Yeah. And, um, you know, that is a, it's a, it's a really, uh, great, safe way to, to figure this out. If you're, if you're at home thinking, you know, I, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to, to stay sober through all this. I'm really feeling bad. I'm really feeling lonely and, um, you know, like, like drinking is the only answer for me. 
uh, we can help. Yeah, we can uh, literally one on one. Uh, over over video conferencing, face-to-face, and it's very seamless. You know, I remember when I first started this eight years ago, um, it seemed a little clunky. Now, with today's connections, it's amazing. You, you can literally be sitting in the park on your phone, and we can have a lesson on the freedom model. It's yeah, and incredible. you can be looking at me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're, it's like we're in the same room. It really is um, cool. And it's cheap. And uh, so if you are a person that really feels lost... Listen, I was, and we're not minimizing the no. virus. We're not minimizing your plight. The reason we can sit back and laugh about some of these things, you have to understand, is we're on the other side. Yeah. You know, we're we're not in that hopeless state anymore. No. Uh, there was a time in my life when I when I was really really crushed with with anxiety and depression, but I'm not anymore. Me too. So mm-hmm. so I just want you to know that there's a way with Freedom Model Private Instruction we can talk about things from the comfort of home. And uh, there's a solution for you. We also have the retreats. Um, what's nice about our retreats, also with this with the scares, uh, we only take five people. Right. You know. Right. So, so uh, yeah, yeah. If you yeah. can. And you we're can... out in the middle of nowhere. And flights are super cheap right now. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to get a flight into Albany, it's probably the best time to do it, and they'll be you probably be like one of the only people on the plane. Quite frankly, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> so I mean, I was at the gym this morning, and there was about. I mean, normally, since the beginning of the year, there has been, you know, it's been packed. And this morning, there was about 10 people there. Yeah. And I thought, okay, I can handle that. that that's a, that's pretty good. Um, all right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening today. If you or someone you know is seeking help for a substance use problem or other habitual behavior, or you want help in breaking free and moving past addiction... Uh, and recovery as well, you can reach us at 888-424-2626 or through our websites, thefreedommodel.org and leaveaddictionbehind.com. At thefreedommodel.org, we offer a bunch of free resources and information, including videos, podcasts, and eBooks. Digital editions of our books, The Freedom Model for Addictions and The Freedom Model for the Family are available for purchase on that site as well. And you can get paperback or Kindle versions on Amazon or one of the other online retailers. And if you have questions and you want to reach us, you can call us 888-424-2626 or email us at info at thefreedommodel.org. Follow us on social media, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Also, we have three Facebook groups we started, The Freedom Model, Moving Beyond Addiction and Recovery, and Families Moving Beyond Addiction and Recovery. So from everyone here at The Freedom Model, we wish you well. Until next time.